Oh, gracious Father, we've heard your word now, just read to us in Psalm 51. We have that word in front of us, and as we speak that word today, may it find full expression in our hearts and minds, so that we will fulfill your counsel and will for our lives. And we're praying now in the name of Jesus, our teacher and our guide. Amen. Have you picked up everything in that psalm? You've got it in front of you, so you can't get away with it this morning and, and take everything on board. Do you know, I can remember way back many, many years ago, and I, I think I was probably about six or seven, when I heard a reading in the Bible, and I totally misinterpreted what had been said. Um, I, you might not know, but my paternal, my maternal grandparents were Amy's and Sivray's, and my paternal grandparents, Vibots and Lefevers. And the Bible reading that uh, Sunday morning was from Luke chapter 4, and it was all about Peter, and it read about Peter's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. <laughs> and I came back and I told my parents how excited I was because our family were mentioned in the Bible. I didn't interpret what it meant that she was in bed with a fever but it was the fever bit that I picked up. And I wonder sometimes when we hear the Bible read, when we hear thing read, that we, we don't actually pick up actually that all it is there or we interpret it our way. But we're looking at Psalm 51, a psalm that comes to us in the form of lament. It comes to us in the form of, uh, it's a psalm of repentance and confession, a psalm that was written by David who'd uh, sinned big time, really big time. He'd committed adultery with Bathsheba, he'd fathered a son, and he then tried to hide everything, inspire, uh, conspiring to kill Uriah, her husband. And for a whole year, he behaved as if nothing had happened, until God stepped in and sent Nathan, the prophet, to bring David face to face with the truth. And poor old David is here, cut to the heart, and it's at this very moment that he writes these 19 well, services that you've got here in front of you now. Are we, are we going to really engage with this? Come on. Yes, we really must. Let's engage with what he wrote. And as we unpack it, may we appreciate and fully understand what is true and genuine repentance. And may there be something there that the Holy Spirit highlights for each one of us individually. A verse, maybe, a thought, an, an action, something there. Perhaps you'd like to underline it. Uh, that's why you've got a pen. And something that you can take home with you and say, wow, yes, I must never forget this, and may it work in some way, root itself in, in your own life so that it has a lasting effect. Come on, let's get going. In the opening two verses of that psalm, David appeals to God's love and mercy. Shall we read verse 1 together? Come on, let's go. Have mercy, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Don't forget to put some emphasis on the words that really matter. Come on, pray this as it were, as if you were praying it for yourself. What's he saying? Mercy, 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 O God. Come on. I ask for your mercy. I deserve to be punished. But you are my God of loving kindness, of steadfast love. Oh, and I'm asking you now, please, 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 my sins. 
Verse 2 together. Come on. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Yes, Lord, wash me, wash me, wash me through and through from every instance where I've sinned and cleanse me, cleanse me from the frightful ways in which I've missed the mark. Yes, Lord, wipe the slate clean. And then David goes on in total honesty, doesn't he? in the next verse is about his confession. Look at verse three, come on together. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Yes, Lord, I've sinned. I've sinned against, uh, and, and I'm fully aware of it. I'm fully aware of it and the guilt of it has been haunting me day and night. I can't stand it any longer. Are you getting inside? Um, David now? Come on. This is how he's feeling. This is him. Verse 4 together. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Oh, Lord, I know I've sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah, but I now realize that all sin is first and foremost against you. It's your law that's been broken. It's your will that's been flouted. It's your name that has been dishonored. I have sinned against you, Lord. That's being honest, isn't it? And open. Verse five together. Indeed, come on, indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. Yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. Do you ever tell the Lord that and recognize that? I'm a sinner. I was born in iniquity. And going back even further, I was conceived in sin. What I mean is not not only have I committed sins, but I'm sinful in my very nature. Verse 6 together. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Oh, Lord, what you really desire and want is truth and honesty in our very being. And I come to you now. Do you ever do this? And I come to you now and I ask you, oh, teach me wisdom deep in my heart. Oh, to echo that prayer of David. I want truth deep in my being. and I want wisdom in my heart. And then David pleads for the effects of God's mercy. Look at verse 7 together. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. You know, hyssop and running water were used in the ceremony for the cleansing of lepers. And David picks on this to underline his longing to be forgiven, to be cleansed and made whole. He doesn't want any half measures saying, no half measures, Lord. I want to be white. Oh, I want to be white. I want to be even whiter than snow. You know, total cleansing. May that be the effect of your mercy, Lord. May that be the effect of God's mercy whenever we come to him in prayer for forgiveness. Then he goes on. Look what he says in verse 8. Together, let me hear joy and gladness. 
Let the bones that you've crushed rejoice. Oh, Lord, in my sins, I seem to have lost my song. I haven't experienced real joy and gladness. Oh, Lord, let me hear the music of rejoicing once again. Oh, by the way, Lord, it also seems that in my unforgiven state that you've crippled me by breaking my bones. Oh, Lord, come on, heal the fractures so that I may rejoice and praise your name. Lord, I want it to be time to dance again. Verse 9 together. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Oh, Lord, here I go again. Oh, Lord, my God, I so want you to turn away from looking at my sins in judgment and punishment. Please, Lord, blot out, erase completely every trace of my enormous iniquities. I don't want that pain of thinking about them over and over again. You getting along with David and all his feelings, all that's pent up inside him? And then in verse 10 together, he says, Oh, create, come on, create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. What's he really saying? Oh, he's saying, Lord, I realize that everything that went wrong started in my mind. My thought life was polluted, and I entertained evil thoughts until at last I committed those sins. So now I ask you, come on, create a clean mind in me. Renew, the original word is renew by way, not put a new and right, but renew a right spirit within me. You see, it once was there. I once had that right spirit, but my dulled conscience has deadened my sense of right and wrong, good and evil. Oh Lord, renew it. Renew it and may it be steadfast in guarding and protecting me from future outbreaks of sin. Then verse 11 together. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Oh Lord, Lord, don't give up on me. Don't give up on me. Don't banish me from your presence. You see, he'd done that to others, hadn't he? I can't bear the thought of being away from you or having your Holy Spirit taken from me. Oh, please, Lord, spare me from this, I pray. And then in verse 12 together, oh, come on, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Oh, I've told you already, Lord, that I've lost my song, but I've lost your salvation. No, I've not lost your salvation, but I've lost the joy of your salvation. So now as I come to you in repentance, restore in your mercy that joy and sustain in me that spirit, willing to obey you and to please you in all things. Oh Lord, may I be maintained to walk along paths of righteousness. And then as we go on to verse 13 together, he says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. You see, once he's going to be forgiven and restored, he's saying, I will witness to other sinners and I will tell them 
of your ways of pardon and peace. I, and when they hear what you've done for me, they will want to return to you and follow you. Come on, let's put 14 and 15 together, all of us. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Yes, Lord, when you deliver me from the guilt of the blood I shed, I'm going to tell the whole world of your deliverance. Oh, you know... Lord, the guilt of Uriah's blood is heavy on me. Oh, God of my salvation, wipe the slate clean, and I will praise you. You see, oh, Lord, my lips have been sealed shut in my unforgiven, sinful state. Open them, Lord, in your forgiveness, and then my mouth will be dedicated to speaking and singing your praise. And then we're going to put 16 and 17 together. Together, for you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, oh, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. Lord, I'm not going through any ceremonial ritual in asking for forgiveness. If you wanted animal sacrifice, I'd certainly do that. And I know that burnt offerings don't delight you. Oh, I come to you, quite simply, with a broken and contrite heart. Oh, Lord, it's a shattered and remorseful, repentant heart. And I know full well that you won't reject me, but you will lovingly receive me. And then 18 and 19. I'm not sure about whether 18 and 19 actually David wrote, or he may have written it later, or it may be somebody else who actually inserted the last two verses. But whether one or the other, they look to the showering of good things and the rebuilding of Zion in its spiritual plight, and that God will delight in the offerings that speak of dedication and praise to him. I'm stopping there, because I've got to shoot off to St. George's. You know, I've been blessed, I've been blessed in preparation for today, and I hope that you've captured something there of David's heartfelt repentance and his longing to be forgiven and move forward. You know, when we come in confession, when we, when we say we're sorry, Lord, uh, I wonder if we feel anything like him. You know, if we, that, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, I really am sorry, and I can't bear the guilt of this any longer what he's going through I wonder you may not have killed anybody or um, shot off with somebody else um, whatever but whatever sin is sin is sin and when we fall short we let God down you know we 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 break his heart to think that we've done whatever we've done and how we need to come and say sorry to him and if we come with the same oh commitment and feeling uh, as David did I hope you picked up something there. And I hope that maybe some one verse that you've highlighted, uh, one thought, one action there, that you think, wow, yes, that's me. I, I need to go down that road. How about underlining it, if you haven't done so yet, in your copy? Take it away with you and reflect on it and may it sort of be at work in your own life.
Amen. I'm off to St. George's.